The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Beginning in chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant, released him and forgave him the debt. And when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servant saw what had taken place, When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Father, we thank you for your life-giving word through your son, Jesus, and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to bring these words to life, that they would bear fruit in our lives, that they would change our hearts, that you would make us more like you this morning, Jesus. It's in your great, glorious, and holy name we pray, amen, amen. So, I'm not checking my text messages. I want to make sure that I don't go too long. You know, this is my first sermon at St. Paul's, and first impressions are important, so I want to keep track here. I'm not checking social media, I promise. You have my word. What if I told you this morning that what I was about to share could revolutionize all of your relationships? If what I had to share this morning could make your relationship with your husband, your wife, so much better, with your friends, your co-workers, what if I told you that this message could result in you living a much more joyful, 
peaceful, stress-free life. Would you be interested? Yes, Bev, that's the right answer. Yes, we would, wouldn't we? And not only that, what if it could lead to you just having better health in general? What we're going to talk about today actually can do this. God can do it. And, and he gives us this extraordinary word through his son Jesus of how to make relationships right. Relationships are pretty important, aren't they? They're very important to God. He made us for a relationship with him. That was the purpose. That was the goal. He wanted to bring us into this unending and perfect giving and exchanging that he had enjoyed from eternity's beginning. That exchange between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the, the love that gets exchanged in that holy trinity, he wanted to bring us in to that relationship and that blessing. So relationships are important, and when relationships don't go right, it grieves God. It grieves God like a mother or a father is grieved when the, he sees their, his children arguing with each other or treating each other poorly or not getting along, right? Relationships are important. Now, one of the things about relationships that's, I think, a key to understanding is we have these things called expectations in all of our relationships. We have expectations of how we should be treated. And it's actually something that comes from God. God who created us in his own image and likeness, this God who invites us in the same kind of relationship that he's enjoying between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we have an expectation that people will treat us a certain way. Our founding fathers understood this when they wrote the Declaration of Independence. They, they tuned into what I'm talking about when they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Inalienable meaning you can't take it away. It's yours. We have a right to be treated in a certain way. As human beings made in the image of God, we owe it to each other to treat each other with dignity, with respect, with honor, with love, with grace, with mercy, with patience. And so, in all of our relationships, we have these expectations. And when those expectations are not met, which does happen, it happens, doesn't it? Every once in a while, people don't meet our expectations in relationship. And when that happens, we get disappointed. We get hurt. Bitterness, resentment start to take hold. And we start building walls. We start distance, distancing ourselves from one another. We start sharpening our knives. And all of these wonderful things that happen as a result of, of sin in our lives because we don't treat each other as we ought to. 
In this passage this morning, Jesus is giving us and his disciples a key to make relationships right, to restore, to repair, to to bring us back into community and fellowship with one another, which is what God's heart is. That's his ultimate goal. And it's through this beautiful thing called forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's a powerful word and it's a powerful force that can transform all of our relationships if we let it. So what do we, what do we learn from this passage in Matthew where Jesus is talking to Peter about forgiveness and he shares this really poignant story to illustrate, to make it practical. The first thing that I want to know are the obstacles that we face in walking in forgiveness. What are, the, what are the significant obstacles that we have to address? Well, one of the first ones is this thing called denial, which ain't just a river in Egypt, right? <laughs> denial is a very real thing that all of us have a tendency to deal with. And our friend, the servant, was living in some serious denial. Let's read it again. Let's go back to the passage. Take a quick look. In verse 25, it says, And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Let's back up a little bit. How much did this guy owe again? It says 10,000 talents. Now, if you do your research and you find out how much 10,000 talents would be today, it's basically about 200,000 years of wages for a regular laborer making minimum wage. 200,000 years. Do you think this poor guy has lost touch with reality a little bit? I will pay you everything. Friends, there is no way he could have paid this debt. It was impossible. Which is part of what Thad was talking to us about last Sunday, Bishop Thad, when he said, you know, you can't handle or manage this debt on your own. You can't work your way out of it. It is impossible. The only way you get out from under this debt is by the grace and the mercy of God forgiving it. This is not something we can work on on our own and work our way out of ourselves. And this poor guy, it it just didn't register, did it? He wasn't in touch with the debt that he owed God, his master, which is part of our problem. We're just not in touch with our own issues. We're not in touch with the depth and the scope of our own debt. It's challenges, part of the problem of sin. We, we have this eyesight problem. And part of the proof of that in this man's life was how he reacted when he met the other servant that owed him money. And he reacts in a very different way than the master reacted with him. 
You see, when we look at other people's issues and brokenness and sin, we have 20-20 vision. We have, 20, we have perfect vision. We can see it in detail, technicolor. It's very clear to us. But the funny thing is when we turn our eyes inward into our own lives, into our own hearts, we start to develop things like cataracts and glaucoma, macular degeneration. For, your, for the younger folks here, these are all forms of visual impairment. We have an issue seeing our own stuff. It gets cloudy when we start to look inside our own hearts and minds. It's important that we live in reality. And the reality is, as Thad made so clear last week, we owe a debt we cannot pay. It is impossible. It's 200,000 years of work. We are all at the mercy of God. And that's an important thing for us to get through as we walk towards forgiveness. That's the first obstacle. The second one is that many of us, like this servant, are still expecting to get paid. We're still expecting to get paid, which is part of his problem. He leaves, he's been forgiven this huge debt, and he goes out, He's expecting to get paid from the other servant who owes him a minuscule, minuscule amount of money. This is something that all of us do. I was going to see if there was water here. (laughs) I'm good. So that's something that we all do. We have this sort of invisible account for each relationship. Are you guys familiar with accounting? Did you take courses in high school or college relating to accounting? Yeah, some of you know. Well, just basic accounting 101. You know, if you had that thing they call a check register, I don't know if people use that anymore. You would, you, when you paid something out, that was a debit, and you wrote it in your, your little checkbook. And then if you got something in as income, that was credit, Right, And you tried to make sure you didn't have more debits than credits because if you had more debits, then you had a negative balance. You were in the red, and you you don't want to be in the red. That's a bad thing, bad thing in accounting. Even if you like the color red, it's just not good. So what we do internally kind of under the surface is in each relationship, especially the ones that are important to us, we've got a book. You you might not, it's, it's inside of us. And so when something happens like, well, you forgot my birthday, debit. You're not treating me the way that I believe you should, debit. You showed up late again, debit. You gave me an encouraging word when I got home from work, credit. Now the reality is there's there's generally a whole lot more debits than there are credits, right? And we're, we're sort of subconsciously keeping track in relationships because we believe people owe us something. Like we talked about earlier, we, we are owed a certain amount of dignity and honor and respect and love and grace in relationships. And sometimes, most of the time, the relationships that are most important to us, we keep more carefully, Because the expectation is higher, isn't it? Part of our problem 
with this whole issue of forgiveness and making relationships right is that we've got to start clearing the books. We've got to do the same thing that God did for us through his son. He cleared our account. He took a whole lot of the blood of Jesus and he poured it over the ledger. He can't even see our account anymore. All he sees is the blood of Jesus. So one question when we're dealing with this obstacle is, are you still expecting to get paid? Are you thinking to yourself, I'll clear the account if and when this person starts behaving like they ought to? I'll clear the account if and when you become the person that you're supposed to be. I'll clear the account if and when you admit your fault and say you're sorry. I'll clear the account if and when you repay what you owe. Friends, if we go about our relationships like this, we're just going to be banging our heads against the wall. And that's the next point. We only hurt ourselves when we withhold forgiveness. We only hurt ourselves. Where does this servant end up that failed to forgive, that withheld forgiveness? He ends up in prison, a prison of his own making, which is what happens when we withhold forgiveness. We are the ones that end up in prison. We're only hurting ourselves. We're only limiting our, we're limiting our ability to experience joy and peace, freedom and life. This isn't just a metaphor, it's very real. I've heard people refer to unforgiveness as drinking poison and, and expecting the other person to die. Withholding forgiveness only hurts us. And what's more is it opens up a door to our adversary, our spiritual enemy, our, the enemy of our souls, the devil. One of the interesting things it says here in the passage in verse 34, it says, and in his anger, and in anger, the master delivered him to the jailers. Now, the Greek word for that is actually torturers. It's not jailers, it's torture, to be tormented. And that's what happens when we hold on to that debt, when we refuse to release people from their obligation to pay us back. The enemy comes in and he can torment it. He torments us and he feeds the resentment. He feeds the bitterness and the, and the anger and, which only makes it worse, right? In that passage that Thad brought us to last week which is so brilliantly captures what we're talking about this morning and more in Colossians chapter 2. Verse 13, Paul says this, 
And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And again, this is what God has done for us, clearing the account, taking the debt that we owed and nailing it to the cross right through the hands of Jesus, right through the feet of Jesus. And then he goes on to say this in verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, triumphing over them in him. Paul's talking about spiritual powers and principalities that are warring against us in the spiritual battle that we face every day. There's something that he's touching on. There's a connection between forgiveness or lack thereof and the enemy's ability to torment us, to influence us, to have his way in our life. When we step into forgiveness, we step into a greater level of freedom from him and his lies his manipulation, and the things that only further corrupt our relationships. Unforgiveness is not doing us any favors. It's not hurting the other person either. It's hurting you. So how do we do do it? How, How do we step into this extraordinary and powerful thing called forgiveness well first of all I think it's important to recognize it's a whole lot harder than we think Peter's like so how many how many times do we have to forgive and then kind of write people off seven I could I can do that mm, no try 70 times seven Peter that's not that's 490, that's a lot, isn't it? Forgiveness is a lot more challenging than we might think. And the first thing we recognize is that we can't do it on our own. It's not something that comes naturally to us as human beings in our sinful nature. It takes an act of God It takes God coming in and changing our hearts and giving us his love, his compassion. And and that's what moved the master in this story, isn't it? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 18. Verse 27. And out of pity for him, many of the translations say out of compassion, for him. The master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. It was out of compassion that God forgave us. And that's one of the first steps in us extending forgiveness to other people. It's compassion. One of the ways that you can translate the Latin word for compassion is to suffer with to suffer with. There's something about 
compassion that draws us into the life of the other person experiencing what they're suffering, what they're going through. And that's really powerful when you're trying to forgive. It's seeing other people more clearly because a lot of times we just see the sin on the outside. We just see the bad behavior or the mistreatment and we fail to see a person behind that that God loves that was made in his own image. Have you ever heard that saying, hurting people hurt people? Hurting people hurt people. A lot of the things that have happened to us, a lot of the injuries, a lot of the offenses that we're holding people accountable to came as a result of their own hurt. What had been done to them in their life. Abuse. Failure to be loved and honored and respected as they were due. And now they're doing the same thing to you. God's compassion allows us to see through that and into the life of a person and say, this is another human being that has their own issues, their own baggage, their own shortcomings, their own failures. And when, when we have God's eyes in that way, it's so much easier to extend forgiveness and release people from their debt. The next thing we don't have time for so there's going to be a continuation at some, some point. I want to give you some practical steps now to wade into forgiveness. And the first one is just being honest. Just taking an honest look at our own issues, our own baggage, our own shortcomings, and, and, and remembering, revisiting our own salvation, our own forgiveness, the debt that God paid for us through his son. The other thing is that we need to be honest when we're hurt. And that's something a lot of people do. I do it sometimes. I minimize the offense. Oh, that's no big, I don't, that's okay. I've forgotten that. That's not a big deal. And yet it got in. It's in the heart already. It's written in the ledger. It's written in the book. It's there and you have to deal with it. So be honest. The next thing is be prayerful. Ask God to give you his compassion. Start praying for that person. Jesus said pray for your enemies. Pray for that. That starts developing compassion when we start to pray for the other person. We're challenged to forgive. Pray for them. Be specific. Don't just say I forgive them. Get specific. What? specifically do you need to forgive? What exactly did they did? There's so much more power when you're specific about what the person did that hurt you, offended you, let you down. Be specific. Be vocal. Say it out loud. Words have power. You don't have to do it this morning in front of everybody. You can go home in the privacy of your own home and say, I forgive so-and-so. I choose to forgive because it's my decision. I had the power to choose to forgive. God has given me that authority to forgive. I choose to forgive so-and-so for fill in the blank and be specific. And then you might want to just see it as closing it all out by saying, I release this person the debt from the debt they owe me. I release them, God. 
As you release me, I release them the debt that they owe me. I put it in your hands. If we were to look at each other in the spiritual, and I'm closing. I'm there. So we would see a lot of people walking around with knives in their back. Or arrows in their stomach. Or a spear through their heart. The result of all the things people have done to them. You know how you get those things out? You forgive the person that put them there. You forgive the person that put them there. God, give us the grace to step into this awesome and powerful thing called forgiveness. For our own benefit, for our own blessing, we pray this morning that as we, even maybe as we step forward for communion, that you would start to bring people to mind that we need to forgive that we need to release, we need to clear the account, we need to close that book and release them of their debt. God, give us the grace, help us to know and fill our hearts with a, a new sense of compassion for these people. Help us to see them the way you do. We thank you that you've forgiven us and we thank you that we have the power to forgive ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.